Well, good morning again. Welcome to Christ Central. Glad each of y'all are here with us, and hope you had a good weekend, and I'm really, really glad uh, that you decided to be with us this Sunday morning. We're continuing uh, today in our series, in The Lord's Prayer. And so whether you've been in church for a long time or you're new to the church, I would wager to say you've heard the Lord's Prayer before. It really is a familiar prayer for many, but I think we've missed its depth and its power and its beauty by allowing it to become overly familiar. It is a prayer for everyone, uh, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or you're checking out Christianity, because through it, Jesus is teaching us what it means to live in communion with God. It is a prayer uh, that shapes and forms how we are to live with God. Former pastor Ted Loader said, At last I believe life itself is a prayer, and that the prayers we pray shape the lives we live. There's no greater prayer than the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Learning to truly pray it, praying it actually will change our lives. And so I'm going to ask you to stand if you're able, and I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. This is God's word to us this morning. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Prophet Isaiah says the grass withers, the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would transform us, that you would speak to us, that we would have minds engaged, though we have many things racing through our minds, distractions, worries, concerns of just the past week and even of today. We pray that you would, by your spirit, illumine our minds. We pray for our hearts, which may be hardened, uh, may be tender because we're sad and we're burdened, maybe uh, we're excited to be here wherever we are in our hearts this morning pray that you'd meet us and i do pray that you would speak to us by your spirit and transform us may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you in jesus name we pray amen you can have a seat our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever thought about how strange it feels in this prayer to go from Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven to all of a sudden give us today some bread? This petition does not seem to measure up to the heights of the first three petitions. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, nor does it seem to measure up to the depths of the petitions that follow. Our debts, our temptations to deliver us from evil. This request for daily bread, it, it sits subtly and unpretentiously right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. At its core, it is a request about natural everyday, ordinary, mundane things like bread. What's more ordinary than some bread? And comparing it to some of the other requests that have eternal significance, it almost can feel trivial for some to, to pray, give us this 
day our daily bread, or for some of us, not worth praying. So why is this ordinary, mundane petition right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer? I want to suggest that this petition is actually the key to unlock the fullness of life in communion with God. That it is the key to open us into wide pastures, green grass, still waters, pleasant places of walking with God day in, day out, in the midst of the grinding, nitty-gritty, mundane lives that we all live. I want to ask three questions that I think will help us understand what this petition is really all about. What are we asking for? Who are we asking from? And who are we asking for? What for? Who from? Who for? Those three questions. Let's look first at what are we asking for. Imagine with me a single mother who's had to work two jobs, is working two jobs, in order to feed her three children. She wakes up at 5 a.m. to begin getting her children ready for school. She sends them off, and she begins to get ready to head in for her first shift of work from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. She gets off at 3, immediately goes to pick up her children, knowing that she will have to go in for her second shift from 7 p.m. to 12 p.m. And in between, she has to make sure her children do their homework. They do their homework. She begins to prepare dinner, and as they gather around the table, they pray, Give us this day our daily bread. Eugene Peterson translates this, give us three square meals this day. And for some of you, this scenario brings up memories. For some of you, you might be in a similar situation right now in the present. For a good number of you, it's hard to feel the weight of this prayer because you've never been concerned about not having three square meals in a day. Now, am I saying that to pray this prayer that you have to be wondering where your next meal is going to come from. No. But I do think that the person who has wondered about their daily provision gets the heart of this prayer more naturally. But everybody's called to pray this prayer and to live into this prayer. So what is Jesus teaching us to ask for? If you're familiar with the Old Testament, this request might bring to mind Exodus chapter 16. In Exodus chapter 16, Israel is wandering in the wilderness. God has just set them free from slavery out of Egypt, and they're wandering through the desert wilderness, and they begin to grumble to Moses. Moses, you've brought us out here to die. It would have been better if we'd have stayed in Egypt. We're all going to die of hunger. And then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven called manna, and the people shall gather one day's portion." so that they will walk with me. The, the manna that God provided would only last one day, and it would spoil overnight, so that the Israelites were unable to store up one week's worth of manna or one month or one year's worth of manna. Every single day, they would wake up and they would wonder, is God going to provide for us today? And they would have to trust that God was going to do what he said he would do. Now, why did God do this to Israel? Because God did not want his people to take him for granted. God was training and testing them to be utterly dependent on him for their daily needs. And Jesus is teaching us in this request that when we pray, give us today our daily bread, we're praying a prayer of dependence 
on God for him to provide for our needs every single day. And that includes three square meals, but it also includes the daily needs of protect our family, help our physical health, give us safety, give us a place to lay our heads, provide a job, help us in our classrooms. It's looking to God every day and saying, God, would you give the necessities that I need to make it through this day? Now, you got to note that this is not asking God for luxuries. And God does not promise to give luxuries. This is not a promise of a new car or a nicer home or a fatter retirement account. We are to depend on God for our daily necessities. And that is difficult for many of us because we are prone to forget God in our daily needs because we are so used to depending on ourselves. Our jobs that we've earned, our education, our money, our networks, our intelligence. It's really hard to trust and depend on God, especially in the small things like bread. But life in communion with God is taking that piece of bread, literally, that piece of toast or that bagel or that bowl of cereal or bowl of oatmeal or a hug from a child or a meal with a friend or the pillow you lay your head on, something very ordinary, and having the posture of faith that that single mother teaches us so beautifully. Thank you, God. Give us today our daily bread. It is a prayer of utter dependence on God to provide for our needs. Well, who are we asking this from? Second question, who from? Well, the God we're asking daily bread from is the creator and sustainer of all things. He is our Abba Father. He is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is the God who clothes the lilies of the field. He is the God that knows every single hair on your and my head. And this God wants to be with you. He wants to be precisely with you in the ordinary, mundane, day in and day out grind of our lives. This petition is the secret of the Christian life. Life with God in all places and at all times. The heart of this prayer that lies in the middle of the Lord's Prayer is teaching us that life is to be lived in communion with God every day, every hour, every minute. The reality is that if we call ourselves Christian, much of the time we are functional atheists. We go about our days and Maybe we'll turn to God in moments of extreme need, but much of our days we spend living depending on ourselves. Jesus says in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, Jesus is definitely referring to Exodus 16 and to the, this portion of the Lord's Prayer. And what Jesus is saying in John 6 is that I am the one who meets not just your physical needs, but I am the one that nourishes and feeds your soul every single day. Just as Israel looked to God to provide manna, we look to Christ every day for him to care for us. This is the Christian life. Life in constant communion with God by faith in Jesus. And it is amazing to me that this God wants and longs and desires to be in relationship with each and every one of us. I, I was with some friends on Friday night, and one of them told the story uh, that happened a few weeks ago. said he was dropping his child off at school for the first day of kindergarten. 
Uh, and he said that he had a, a way more emotion around this than he had realized because as he pulled up to the school, all these like emotions started welling up in him. And uh, as they got to the school, the door opened and he was nervous for his child. And all of a sudden, another kid at school looked in, saw his daughter, and yelled out, I know her. I know her. And ran over and welcomed her. And he said in that moment, he was gripped by the truth that that's God's voice proclaiming over him and proclaiming over us. I know her. I know him. And not just know, but I love her. I love him. See, life is to be lived in constant relationship with a God who says, I will never leave nor forsake you, who fully knows us and fully loves us. And let's just be honest, all of us ache to be loved. We want to be known in the depths of who we are, loved not for our sanitized, put together our Sunday best selves, but to be loved for who we truly are in our broken, struggling, messy selves. And this prayer is a prayer that, of God telling us that he loves us deeply and intimately and he wants to go with us at all times and in all places. But we are the ones that are unaware of his loving presence because we live hurried, busy lives as though life depends on us. We live with noises and voices that drown out the reality of God's loving presence always with us. See, God wants to come with you into your jobs. God wants to come with you into your bedroom. God wants to come with you into your classes, into your parenting, into how you spend your money. This really is the key to unlocking the fullness of the Christian life. Now, maybe you're sitting there going, okay, Daniel, this sounds nice and sweet. Life in communion with God at all times and in all places, walking with a God who knows me and loves me, but how in the world do I do this? It seems impossible. I do think we have to cultivate this life with God. We have to learn how to walk with God in these ways. I don't know if you remember an older movie now, one of my favorite movies, Beautiful Mind. It's a true story about John Nash, a professor at MIT who won the Nobel Prize. But John Nash, he suffered a major breakdown, and in his breakdown he thought he was about to become the emperor of Antarctica. Uh, and in this breakdown, he began to hear voices. He began to see people that were not real, and it distorted his reality and his perception. It became very crippling to Nash. Now, he ultimately got better, not through medication, but he was able to discern over time. He was able to learn over time which voices were true and which voices were not. Nash said in the movie, I'm actually not so different from you. We all hear voices. We just have to decide which ones we're going to listen to. See, everyone in here hears voices telling them they're all alone. Voices that tell you nobody gets you. Nobody really understands you and what you're going through. Voices that tell you you better work harder and get yours because nobody's going to help you. And Jesus says, I'm the great shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. The Christian life is life lived day in and day out hearing the voice of our shepherd and trusting that his voice is more real than the competing voices inside our heads and inside our hearts. Hearing the voice of God, trusting the presence of God, it is a learned experience. 
We really do have to learn, as 17th century Christian writer Brother Lawrence said, to practice the presence of God. We have to learn how to hear God's voice, how to experience God in the ordinary and in the mundane, that He's with us, speaking to us. The question really is, do we turn in utter dependence on Him and walk with Him in all places and at all times? I realize, as I'm saying this, that it sounds grandiose and idealistic, right? Walk with God at all places and all times, and it is a learned thing, and I, I struggle with it. We all do. But I want to suggest something very practical to you this morning uh, that will help you learn and grow and cultivate this life. One of the things over the past few years that has been extremely impactful to me, and honestly, again, I ebb and flow with consistency in this, but it's an ancient historical spiritual practice called fixed hours. How many of you have heard of this? It's one of the ways that I've really found to really consecrate my entire day to God. So when I first became a Christian, I was taught, maybe you've heard this, to have a quiet time. Maybe you've heard that phrase, quiet time or a devotion. And I did that for a long time, and it, and it was good, but it was a morning if I, if I was good. Maybe, you know, four, five, four times a week I'd have my quiet time, a devotional. Uh, and it was a time of being injected with some Bible and some prayer, and, and then I'd spend the rest of my day running off my morning time with God until the next morning. And I began to realize that it didn't take long before the morning wears off, and I forget even what happened in the morning, that I needed more, we all need more than just that, and, and so let me explain what fixed hour prayer, maybe you've heard this called orders of the day, uh, it's also what it's referred to, it's something we talk about in our Emotionally Healthy Discipleship class that uh, I'll just plug here, you should sign up for our Emotionally Healthy Discipleship class, uh, it's really good, but this is what fixed hour prayers, order of the day is, it's setting aside multiple times a day, fixed times, to intentionally come into God's presence. Morning, midday, evening times. And some people do five times a day, fixed, fixed times. I have found good rhythm personally with morning, midday, and evening. So I want to share a little bit with you what I've been doing. In the morning, I use this liturgy right here that uh, is not like a silver bullet. It's just helpful. Uh, Timothy and I went to a prayer school a couple years ago and we actually teach this uh, at our prayer school in January uh, that we'll offer. We did it this last January. We're going to do it again in January. But I use this. It's ancient prayer, historic prayers. as a confession of faith. It's tons of scripture. And what I have found spending my morning this way, and, and it'll be ten, anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour. I'm getting really practical here on a Sunday morning. 10 minutes to an hour. Depending on how God leads, it, it could be fast if I don't have much time. But what it does is it sets the, my perspective for the day. I, that I realize God is actually with me in this day that I'm about to start. And then it sends me out into, to live the day, into this world that God has promised to go with me in. So then I go about my day. Midday comes. I normally have my alarm set anywhere from 11.30 to 11.55. And I spend literally two to five minutes midday. Two to five minutes where I just settle down. I'm in silence. I'm still. And I just kind of pray, Abba, Father. God, here I am. And I mainly take midday to take an inventory of my own heart. I ask God, God, how am I doing living this day? God, I'm, I'm sorry for the ways I've already forgotten about you. God, what are the things I'm loving more than you already? What are my fears? What are my anxieties? And then I ask God for grace to trust him more as I continue to live the day. 
afternoon goes by. Evening comes. Normally, it's after our boys are down in bed, and Rachel and I have been trying to do this. And again, in the evening time, it's like 10 minutes, 5 to 10. It's not super long, but what we've been using is this book right here called The Divine Hours by Phyllis Tickle. It's very easy, kind of a, a day a week, or each day every week with multiple kind of morning, midday, evening kind of structured times. And we use this as a couple. Uh, and really what evening does, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what's been helpful for me in the evening time, is that it causes me to reflect on the day that I just lived uh, and, and thank God for how he provided, how he cared, how he sustained me and my family. And, and it, it really has helped me to learn gratitude for the day that I just lived and then to look with anticipation, with gratitude and a thankfulness for how God has promised to be with me the next day when I wake up. I think if we all just got a little bit better with gratitude, it would do wonders for all of us. This is what I've been doing. It's not, I'm not saying it's the silver bullet. I'm, I'm just saying we have to learn how to cultivate this life of communion with God. Because the key to unlocking the Christian life is to really live into the reality that God is with us at all times and all places. That it's learning how to pray a prayer when you're in the car or you're on a walk or you're going to run. It's a song of worship that springs from within you as you're changing a dirty diaper. It's getting up and seeing a sunrise or, or going to bed as the sun is setting. It's going into your work or into school with kingdom purpose. It's rejoicing and praising God while you're on the golf course or playing basketball. It's scripture that comes into your mind while you're kind of going through your day. That's the, that's the picture we have of life with God. And it's easy for all of us to live as functional atheists. We come to church on a Sunday. At best, we get a de devotion in a couple times a week. But what God longs to do is to come with you into your job and into your classrooms, into your bedrooms, into your bank accounts, into your conversations, into the times when you're all alone. He wants to be with us in the ordinary, mundane moments of our lives. Jesus entered our world and became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And as Christ lived his life, he trusted his Father. He walked intimately with his Father. As he headed towards the cross, he prayed to his Father. He asked his Father to provide for him. His Father was with him, but then had to forsake him. So that in the resurrection of Christ, we could be reconciled into the same type of relationship that Christ has with his Father. And right before Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, he promised he would send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells within those who trust and believe and follow. That we get to be led and taught and guided by the Spirit of the living God living within us. So we have two options when it comes to relationship with God. We can think God's not that important, or I'll need God when I, when I really want something. Or the other is that God's always before me. God is always with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for you are with me. Will you listen to the voice of the God who says he's always with us, and is teaching us to pray. Give us today our daily bread. 
Here's the last thing I want us to look at. We can't jump over this. We've got to ask, well, who, is, who are we asking this for? Not just what are we asking for, who are we asking it from, but who is this for? Jesus says, pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us. It is a prayer not only concerned with what I need, but with what we need. It's not just a personal prayer. This is a corporate prayer. See, when we pray, give us, we are uniting ourselves in solidarity with one another as brothers and sisters. We're uniting ourselves in solidarity with others in our city and others around the world that are without, and we're asking for provision. Give us our daily bread is to ask God to provide for the homeless and the poor and the hungry. If you have daily bread, give thanks to the God who provides. Because one-fifth of the world's population doesn't have daily bread. One-fifth of the world's population goes without three square meals a day. 30,000 children die of starvation per day. Here in our city of Durham, there are close to 2,500 people that are homeless. One out of five children do not have enough food to eat and are food insecure. In a very recent op-ed article in the Herald Sun, it reported that 12,600 adults... 60 years and older, struggle to have enough food. That's shocking. Now, a friend recently told me an analogy that Francis Chan used. So can you imagine a family of five going to cookout? This family of five goes to cookout and they order, the dad orders five cheeseburgers, five fries, five milkshakes. And then the dad eats all that he can, stuffs himself, and leaves behind two cheeseburgers and one fry. And the family says, Dad, we're starving. We're really hungry. And the dad says, I ordered all this food. The rest is for you. Eat up. We would think that's ridiculous. But that's what we're tempted to do. We make sure we are fat and happy, and the little that we have left over, we feed the hungry in our city and in our world. Give us our daily bread. It's a prayer of compassion for those without, but even more so, it is a prayer of social justice. Asking God to use us to help feed those without. James Mulholland wrote, when we pray, give us our daily bread, we are accepting our responsibility to feed the hungry of this world, to help financially, politically, and whatever means necessary. It is a prayer that calls us to action. We cannot live our lives blind to the situation of the homeless and the poor and the hungry. We have to feel the responsibility to participate with God in providing what is necessary to life for those who are without. And this means engaging with the homeless and the hungry in such a way that they cannot remain nameless and faceless. They can't be statistics that we just throw out. They have to become people that we really care about and love and know, people that we welcome into our community, that we welcome into our homes, that we spend time with, that we reach out and care for, that we seek to provide daily bread for. This petition teaches us what we've seen every week in this series, that the vertical relationship of faith in God always bends into practical horizontal relationship with others. Life in communion with God is the reality. God is with us at all times and all places, loving us to the depths of who we are, knowing us fully. 
That's the key to the Christian life. And as we live this life with God, we will not be able to help but love the world and the people in our world. God with us at all times, us to the world at all times. That's what this request teaches us. Give us today our daily bread. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would teach us to pray this, to truly pray it, not just mouth it, but maybe be impacted by it. May it shape our hearts, shape our lives, that we would live different lives of deep, deep dependence on you, constant communion with you, and lives that are about engaging the world you've placed us in. Lord, I thank you that you've been with us. Continue to feed us at this table we come to. In Jesus' name, amen.